Welcome. Pull up a chair, fill your mug, get comfy, join us at the table for the most unusual tea party. Here's your host and graphologist, Teresa Abram. Welcome to Season 3 of A Most Unusual Tea Party, where we use the letter T to unlock a person's story, giving us an unusual look into the mystery guests who join me at the table. I'm Teresa Abram, a handwriting analyst and graphologist, and if you are curious about decoding the messages of the subconscious mind, then pour yourself a mug of something yummy and join me at the table. This season of the podcast, I don't know my guests before they join me at the table. All I know is their name, what their handwriting looks like, and that my mug is on hand. But before I spill the tea on what I'm drinking, You're going to find out who our mystery guest is at the same time I do, and you're going to find out what their love language is. So without further ado, let's find out who our mystery guest is today. Welcome to the show, Sue Kerr. I am so excited to meet you and talk with you and discover more about you. Now, as my listeners know, and I think you know as well, I actually do no research on my guests this season, and I have no idea who you are or what you do or where you live. So, Sue, what would you like to tell me about yourself? Oh, my goodness. Well, firstly, thank you very much for having me. I'm waiting with nervous anticipation to see what my, uh, what my handwriting reveals. But I primarily, my name is Sue Kerr, and I live in the UK. I'm married, mother of three grown children have five grandchildren ranging from the ages of 18 to five. These days, I'm a mental well-being mindset specialist, uh, NLP practitioner and, and speaker. I have spoken pre-COVID all over the world, which sort of combines my, my theatrical background, if you like, and, and my love of travel. I, I consider myself to be a catalyst for effecting long-lasting positive change in others. And when people ask me why, ordinarily, it's because my own background, my own story is one of a lifelong battle with mental ill health which by 2012 had descended into full-blown near-fatal alcoholism. I was admitted to hospital on the 26th of September, 2012, as an emergency, and my family were told to prepare for the worst because I was dying from end-stage liver failure, kidney failure, and so on. As you can see, I clearly declined the offer to go meet the Grim Reaper. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, uh, well done. (laughs) Very early in my recovery, um, it struck me that the... The reasoning behind my lifelong battle with mental ill health had been the fact that somebody in my past, in my childhood, had been the culprit, the, the, my nemesis, if you like, and the, and the driving force behind all my woes. Everything that ever went wrong, I, I blamed on this A, another person who had done X, Y, Z. None of it was my fault. My mental health wasn't my fault. It was their fault. Therefore, I could have another drink and absolve myself of all responsibility. To be absolutely fair, I enjoyed most of my drinking career. <laughs> till it got out of hand. I don't remember an awful lot about it. And I I am quite flippant in in that in these days, but I don't mean it because I know only too well how people who are addicted struggle. In my recovery, what happened was I suddenly realized that actually it wasn't the alcohol that had nearly killed me. It was the story I was telling myself about everything that underpinned it. So these days I work with anybody who has an it. I know Stephen King wrote a book called It. I don't mean that type of it. I mean the it that keeps us stuck exactly where we say we don't want to be, despite all our best intentions and efforts to to make people believe that we're doing otherwise. And I like to say these days that I work with professional swans. And you'll know who I mean when I say this. Uh, Those among us who glide, give the impression that they're gliding serenely through life, 
as though they don't have a care in the world and yet underneath the surface they're paddling like crazy simply to stay afloat for fear of being seen to be lacking or vulnerable or lord forbid a failure in some way and I work with them to know there's a different way basically I help them to lead happier more meaningful lives in a way that they can do so with a purpose and passion without fear of what anybody else thinks my business name is Fearless Live More, largely because I spent 52 of my now 60 years living it the exact opposite way around. I love that. For me, it's a case of taking people from existing in the shadows of a mind that's become a prison of our own making and helping them to step out into glorious technicolor and, and basically not necessarily please themselves, but to live a life that is theirs to live in a way that they see fit, regardless of what other people think. Well, that is a beautiful introduction, Sue. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think it sounds absolutely fascinating. I love your story. There's so much there. You know, just that real world. I've been there, done that. And you know what? It's better on the other side. Absolutely. You said you do have a company and you said it was called Fearless hyphen live more. When we fear less, we're able to live more. Beautiful. So fearless hyphen live more. And if people want to find out more about you, what's the best way to get in contact with you or follow Um, you? Uh, I have a website, which is sort of partially under construction at the minute, but nevertheless, I have a website, which is suecur.com, S-U-E-C-U-R-R.com. You can pretty much find me, uh, because of my surname is such an unusual spelling, it's C-U-R-R instead of K-E-R-R, I'm I'm fairly easily findable across social media. So you'll find me on social media, um, on my own profile, obviously. Um, I have a group on there called Everything Begins and Ends With You and Sue Fear Less Live More. So, yeah. My, 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 the middle of our five grandchildren, who is currently nine, tells everybody that she goes to school with that her nonny, which is what they call me, her nonny is famous because when she types my name into Google, I'm up there all on the first page. And I can't, I haven't got the heart to tell her that it's because of the spelling. That's wonderful. Sue, now that I know a little bit, where actually do you live? I know that when we were setting up this, we had quite a big time zone difference, but where is it that you do live? I live in the UK. I live in South Yorkshire in the, York, in the UK, which is the north of England. It's about sort of two thirds of the way up the country, as it were. Um, and at this time of year, it's absolutely freezing. It's been snowing a lot this last couple of days, um, freezing cold, but brisk and bright a lot of the time as well, which I quite like. Nice. I live in Alberta, Canada, and uh, we get some deep freezes for sure. But one of the things that I love about winter is that sparkling blue winter sky with the sunshine. There is nothing like that. I went out for a walk earlier today with one of my grandchildren and uh, we went into some local woods. When we set off, it was dark and gray. And and by the time we'd done a circuit around the woods, it it was just that clear blue skies, crisp underfoot. We're wrapped up warm. Can't beat it. So Sue... Let's talk about your handwriting. You did put your hand up and say, yeah, let's do this. Let's talk about some. Absolutely. And here at the tea party, my signature letter is the T and not because my name starts with a T. That is not it at all. The letter T just happens to be one of the most talkative letters in the alphabet because you have both the up and down making the stem and the vertical stroke where we're making the crossbar. And so how you choose to do that tells a lot about you. Okay. Can you see that? I can. I recognize it well. Oh, good. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. It's very distinctive handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, I, my, my husband said when I told him I was hopping onto this podcast and what I'd done, he went, you sent somebody your handwriting? Is she able to read it? 
as I often say, my handwriting looks like a spider on speed has crawled across the page. Even I can't read it back sometimes. Crazy. I love that description so much, a spider crawling across. (laughs) Um, And you know what what I really love about this is this is so very unique. And this is handwriting that says, this is who I am. And you're not worried about what it looks like to anybody else. So as you were talking about how, no, you're like, you're owning who you are, you're owning your story and it's all, you know, it's what you tell yourself that's important and it's nobody else, right? Nobody else has that influence on you. That's just so reflective in your handwriting. And I love that. And I find really funny is because you were talking about how (laughs) you said a spider crawling across. Now, one of the things that we do quite often in handwriting analysis is we turn it upside down because that way we are not reading the words and it's easier to see you know, does this make sense? What does it look like? And yours is very busy. Much like my brain, to be fair. It's very busy and it's very sprawly. So that whole spider analogy, I'm like, actually, when I look at it upside down, I see that, but it's beautiful. I don't want you to feel embarrassed about your handwriting because it's lovely. My father always said I could have been a doctor just based on my handwriting alone. Yes. Well, you know what though? Here's the thing. What is it that makes somebody say that? They're going to say it because it is fast. Doctors write quickly, right? Their brains are also processing fast. They, they have that intelligence where it's operating at a faster level. Usually they're time pressed. And so they write quicker because there's a few other things that they need to get to as well. Another trait is quite often that you're going to see the extended upper zones. So in handwriting, we have three zones, upper zone, middle zone, lower zone. And the upper zone is everything that a extends, you know, above those middle zones, which is the A's, the R's, the W's, the C's, the N's. So the tops of your T's, the tops of your D's, the L's, the K's, you're going to see in doctors that they all have those upper zones, at least any doctor that I'd want to go to has the upper zone because that's the intellect. And then you're going to see a much smaller middle zone, which is what you have here too. You show this a little bit smaller of a middle zone, And that's where you start threading your letters. And again, that's just that speed writing to try to keep up with your brain. And that is very distinctive of what doctors do. So when he says you could be a doctor, it's like, yes, and there's a reason for it. You have the brain of a doctor. So take that as a compliment as well. I will. Now let's talk about your tea. I'm just really excited about this tea because it is super distinctive, Sue. And listeners of my podcast, even though we are on to season three, will have never heard about this particular tea before because in our podcast, I have not had a guest who has shown it. Wow. So this is a first. And what this very striking feature is, and you probably already know what it is, hey, Sue. So what it is, is when you're doing your tea, quite often you do your tea stem down, you hit the bottom, and then you bounce up and out. So your crossbar. Like a tick. Yeah, like a tick. So it comes down and then you bounce up and out. So the crossbar never actually crosses the T-stem. I've not thought about it like that, but yeah. Yeah, right. It comes down and out. So that's very distinctive because it's not like you're picking up your pen to cross it. I mean, sometimes you do. You'll pick up your pen and we can see where you cross it and you still cross it just to the right there. Most of them, especially when they're at the end of your word, you're going to come down, up and out, and you don't ever cross the T in the typical T-bar fashion. Wow, I've never actually noticed that before. Uh Uh-huh. It's very exciting. It's a trait that shows initiative. And when I see that, I know that you are going to be the instigator of new endeavors, new ideas. And I might even go so far as to say new mischief when you're around people. (laughs) Yeah, I'll own that. Yeah. 
if I was looking at a group of people and there had been mischief afoot and they all gave me their handwriting and I saw this, it would be like, you're the ringleader. Let's talk to Sue. Do you feel like you are a bit of a ringleader and a... Uh, yeah, I, I like to think I am a leader. I'm, I, I don't know so much of my circle of friends. Mm-hmm. For somebody who's quite gregarious and, and has a lot to say for herself, I, I often like to take the back seat. Although I'm pretty sure most people who know me would disagree with that, to be fair. Um, but certainly in this last eight years, I've, I've been more and more vocal about the things that I'm passionate about. And uh, and I actually won an award, uh, was it last week or the week before, as, as, a, as a, woman, uh, a woman of influence leading change amongst women in the world. So, so maybe that's indicative of this. I don't know. I, I just, it's just something that I seem to have fallen into naturally. Now I'm sober. <laughs> But I don't think it is something you fall into. I think that's just part of who you are. Okay. It's not an accident that I, that's you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was sort of thinking uh, pre-eight years ago, I was not on this planet most of the time, to be fair, although I was physically here. I was probably just never aware of it at that point for, very, for different reasons. Right. But I'll bet you your handwriting was completely different too. If you showed me, yeah, if you showed me a sample of your handwriting from before, compared to now, chances are we'd still say, yes, it's yours. But looking through my eyes at what I'm seeing, it would be very different. I would see a lot of different strokes. And I'd be actually very curious to see whether this instigator T was Was always there. Tell you what, I will make myself a note. I'm a keeper of cards and things like that. So if I can find anything pre eight years, I'll screenshot it and send it to you. Oh my gosh, Sue, that would like be the most exciting thing ever. Please, please, please do. Okay. I love looking at those kind of things. So That's the one thing where it really does show me that you are somebody who has new ideas, new ways of doing things, and you're not going to be shy about sharing it. Now, when we combine that with this irregular right-hand margin, where at points you're actually like pretty much running off of the page right to the very edge of it, it really does show me that you have a need for variety and you're going to adapt to whatever comes next. You're not one to be put in a box and stick to routine and do things exactly the same day in and day out. That's true. So because of that, that alone, I'm going to say quality time is actually not your primary love language, which when we're talking about the love languages, there are five different ones. And for more information about them for the listeners, you can always check out episode one of season three. But just as a quick refresher, quality time talks about wanting uninterrupted and focused conversations. One-on-one time is important. For you, it's not necessarily, I mean, you might enjoy that, but that is not going to be your primary way to feel loved. The other most striking feature of your handwriting, and you sort of mentioned it already when you talked about the spider crawling across the the, the page, is the gestalt. And the gestalt means the overall use of space. If you look at it, if you think of it as the page is the background and your writing is the foreground, it's how do you combine the two? And when I look at the gestalt of your writing, it's quite striking because you use a lot of the space available. You do have a left-hand margin that's fairly straight, although it does expand a little bit. You're right to the edge of the page on your right-hand side, and you write right to the very, very bottom of the page. I have two pages of writing from you. You were very generous with your writing. And in both samples, you were almost squishing your lines in to get the most in at the bottom. I was actually conscious of doing that. My husband always says things like, I never use three words when 500 will do. It's a really striking feature, the way that you do use the, that gestalt and you use every bit of space available on the page. And that's going to indicate someone who's very eager to express themselves and can really get caught up in their message. And I would say 
very clearly just from what I have learned about you so far. That's you are eager to communicate. You are eager to express and you, you do get excited. I absolutely do. Yeah. And that's a wonderful thing. Imagine if all the world was as passionate about what message they had to share. It would be a different place, hopefully for the better. Right. To me, I just think there's so many people who are so afraid to express what it is that they believe in. They're afraid to express who they are. It's that professional swan that you're talking about, right? Absolutely. I spent so long being the professional swan, you know, that, that I've got no wish ever to, to, to minimize myself anymore. I'm only five foot one, so it's a bit of a tough ask to, to uh, maximize myself. Yeah, I've, I've no wish to be invisible anymore. That's awesome. And you know what, if you ever notice yourself starting to not use the page in the same way, if you start noticing that you're putting that margin on the bottom, you might start to question yourself. Am I being invisible? Ah. Am I not showing up for myself in the same way that I want to? Okay. That is also a really big clue that acts of service is not your primary love language. And again, for people, just to refresh your course, acts of service is where you'll do something to help lighten their load. So if somebody was to make you breakfast or to vacuum, it really makes you feel loved. Now, again, that's not to say you don't appreciate it, but it's not your main love language. I think that's absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. I married a husband that would make somebody a lovely wife. Bless it, I say that with the greatest of love. Yes. He's always there. And, and, I, and whilst I do appreciate it, you, you're right. I, uh, I actually, now you've said that, I actually don't think I probably appreciate it as much as I should, in inverted commas. One of those things that if that's what he's doing, it's, there's a really good chance that his primary love language would be acts of service. That makes sense. Yeah. Usually, right? However we express it is usually how we best receive it too. So now we know we've eliminated two for you. We know that quality time and acts of service, not your love language. When I look at your writing, and we've touched on this a little bit, we already know two that are definitely not in play for you. But when we were talking about the doctor's writing, I touched a little bit on one where I talked about how you have an upper zone. You do have extensions that go up into that higher zone. They extend above your, your middle zone letter, letters of A's and M's and E's and N's. And that's my first clue as to what your love language is going to be. Because by having that, it does show that there is that intellectual part, there is minds, and it says that words are important to you. You place value on words. So that's my first clue that I think I know what your love language is. Now, the second clue that I always want to look at is what does your signature look like? So when I see those tall extensions, I want to always check out the signature because the signature is going to tell me a lot. And in this case, what I saw confirmed my initial suspicion of what your love language was, because you have quite a showy signature. It's, I would say it's large and there's some flourishes there. You've got your, your S has a definite flourish. And at the end here, you've underlined your name, which by the way, is a super positive trait. It shows confidence. So super positive, Okay, but it is large. It is flourished. And it is a little bit different from your regular writing because really and truly your regular writing does not have those flourishes. You're too concentrated on getting the words out and onto paper to worry about flourishes in your regular writing. Then we have a third trait where 
some of your M's and your N's are very indistinct. They're not very clearly formed. Quite often what we see is that the M, you know, if it's leading into an E, we can't tell where one ends and one begins. At the end of a word, it trails off. It, it becomes very thready and indistinct. So when that's happening to your M's and your N's, that also shows me that you're somebody who's open to ideas. You're, you're open to listening to somebody else's point of view. Now I'm 100% sure. But then there's the icing on the cake where some of your T's, and this is actually quite remarkable because some of your T's, even though you kind of go up and down and then you bounce out with your T bar, you still get a loop in your T stem, which is very impressive. And you frequently have a loop in your D stem. And what that loop says is that you can be sensitive to criticism. So the words that people tell you, you take to heart. True. And so that was the nail in the coffin that your love language, your primary love language is words of affirmation. So you feel most loved when you are encouraged or affirmed or appreciated. And sometimes that is even shown just by someone listening actively to what you say. But it is crushing to you if somebody does not recognize or appreciate your effort. And if they stop doing that, that is when you start to feel a little bit insecure and unsure of your footing. Absolutely. I'm impressed. <laughs> to say we've never met and we live thousands of miles away. That's awesome. So that, I think, would be your primary love language. Now, the, the other one, just again, because we seem to be doing a little bit of a, a review here of love languages. Another love language would be physical touch, which for you, Sue, is just not there. You do have a lower zone. So physical touch is often represented in our lower zone because that's the subconscious and it represents a lot of our drives. Your lower zone is there, but you don't create any loops. And if physical touch was your primary love language, we're going to see a loop for sure. And you, you just don't have those. So again, it's not to say that you don't appreciate it. You know, you could well appreciate holding hands or, or hugging, but if you don't have public displays of affection, it doesn't make you feel less loved. Yeah, that's, I am quite a tactile person. I do like to, to hug people. It's one of the things I've missed most in COVID, but it's not driven me insane that I've not been able to hug anybody. And you probably don't feel any less of a connection to somebody just because you can't. No, I, there was a time that I thought I did, but I, actually now you've said that. Yeah, to use, to use an analogy that I use a lot with myself, I can square that away. I can make that fit, if you like, in terms of it, how things have unfolded this last 12 months. Because it's been a bizarre time for everybody, hasn't it? <laughs> it truly has. And I think it's really helped to distill what is the most important for us. Absolutely. And uh, what's really interesting is um, I, I really believe that our love languages, they do evolve. I mean, we evolve as human beings. Our handwriting evolves with us. The handwriting that you sent me, I mean, this is a little time capsule of saying, this is who you are in this moment. Um, and if we were to compare it to your handwriting in 2022, there's probably going to be differences that I could point out and say, Sue, this is how you've changed and evolved. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, it could still be your love language is the same, but there might be subtle differences. But over time, if we were to take a look at it in 10 years from now, we might say, actually, your love language has changed. And now you're looking for something different from people. Sure. Yeah. So it does evolve and change just like human beings do. Okay. So the love languages are, 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 what, are what we are activists looking towards getting more of. Yes. And that if yeah. we didn't have it, we would start to feel unsure of somebody's love for us. Got you. 
Okay. Right. That's the real defining point there that if it was suddenly stopped and you never had it again, would it make you feel less loved? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So the only other part that I like to do with my podcasts is what I call spot the lie. And that's where I try to see if you've been deceiving me in some space. Overall, there wasn't anything where I could really say 100% for sure that you were not being entirely honest with me. Oh, I am curious though, because, you, you know, spotting the lie and the deception, it's something that I'm practicing and I'm learning. And the only way, of course, to get better at it is to actually be doing it. So where did you deceive me, Sue? I'm trying to remember. I really am. Oh my goodness. I actually can't see it. And I, I know for a fact that I put one in there. It was something to do with the name. Sure it was. Or maybe you thought you did, but then at the end of the day, you didn't. Yeah, it was always instilled into me and my family, actually, that we, I could do pretty much anything. But if I got caught out telling a lie, I would be in massive trouble. So maybe I subconsciously missed it out and thought I'd put it in there. It, it's I very possible. And what's really funny is so many people struggle with consciously putting in a lie because it goes against the grain and they know that I'm looking for it and they might get caught and it causes them so much anxiety. The kitten, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Well, that's, I think that's really quite interesting that uh, it's not just me that couldn't spot the lie. You can't either. If it does come to you, Sue, please let me know. Send me a note. I will. I absolutely will. And otherwise, we're going to say, you know what? Perhaps that was just instilled so thoroughly in you that you could do anything but tell a lie that while you set off with the intention to do one, unconscious ruled and you didn't. Now, given what I do for a living these days in, t- in, in helping people to understand how their subconscious and conscious mind rule their lives if they're not careful, that's a bit of a wake-up call, to be fair. In what way? In, in terms of, if I, if I actually haven't put it in there when I thought that I had, then clearly I wasn't consciously in the moment. I would need to have a stern word with myself about that. Ah, but you're only human and you're aware yeah, of it, right? Absolutely. You can recognize it and say, aha, that's me too, somewhere to work on. And as human beings, that's what we're doing. I, I believe, firmly believe that we are always always going to have something that we can learn and grow from genuinely believe it these days when I say to people things don't happen to us they happen for us they come to teach us a lesson you know my grandmother once said to me people come into our lives for a reason a season or a lifetime but either way they've all of us got something to teach us and when they've taught us what they've come to teach us then they move on you know, so I, I guess the fact that not, not only the girlfriends that I mentioned there, but, but you know, other, other friends who, have, who I met sort of slightly later after school are still in our lives today. I guess we've still got an awful lot to learn from each other on that basis. Oh, I love that. Well, Sue, my dear, this has been truly a delight. No, it has. I've, I've, I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I'm going to I'm for sure going to go and uh, and explore love yeah. languages. Yeah, yeah let definitely. us know. Take the test and let us know what it comes up for you as, if they're different or not. I always think it's interesting because I think it's a great starting point to take the test. But even as you discovered here, sometimes we have blinders on. And so as we answer the questions, we might be stuck in who we were, but not who we are. Actually, I think that's, that's quite a good analogy for me. But oftentimes things will happen that instantly put me back soberly, but back to the person I once was. And that wasn't something that I, I really particularly liked very much at that time. I appreciate her now. And I understand that everything that she went through served to make me who I am today. And I'm cool with all that. 
deja vu almost. I don't know if it's flashbacks. I don't know what you would call it, to be fair, because I don't I don't suffer from anything about it. But I just I'm very mindful of the fact that actually I didn't like the person I was. I'm much like this person. I'm, more, I'm much more like this person, I should say. Good, good. So it's a, it's a good reminder to yourself just always to remember who you were was who you were, but who are you now? And focus on that. Yeah, beautiful. Well, as we wrap up, I always ask my guests what they're drinking. What is in their mug? I don't do mugs. This is a pint glass of sparkling fizzy water. Ah, awesome. Well, I have a beer mug of water. Cheers, my dear. Cheers. As we say in this, this yeah. side of the pond. Cheers to a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I'm so glad to get to know you soon. And I, I hope that we stay in contact. I'm sure we will. Facebook is a very small world to live in. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you're wanting to hear more from Teresa and her guests, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice and follow her on Instagram at handwriting underscore PI. Hey, did you know that the best compliment you can give me is a referral to someone else? Please help spread the word about a most unusual tea party and my guest and share it with your network or someone who might find it interesting. If you enjoyed the show and want to know more about graphology and what Teresa is doing, be sure to head over to the website at www.handwritingpi.ca slash hashtag newsletter and subscribe to Handwriting PI's newsletter. You'll get early notice of future guests on the podcast. You'll see full samples of the handwriting and get more tips for analyzing handwriting on your own. And if you have it in your heart, leave a tip in the tip jar found at www.handwritingpi.ca. The Tea Party is professionally edited by the amazingly talented Casey Broda. If you would like to contact her or inquire about her services, look for at Casey Broda on Instagram. That's at C-A-S-E-Y-B-R-O-D-A. And finally, if you want to have an audio handwriting analysis done, like you hear here on the show, send us an email at handwritingpi at gmail.com asking for information about our AHA program. Thanks for listening.